Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. Judges chapter 3. I want you to turn to Judges chapter 3, verse 12. Take notes. The young people, I want you to listen to this because this is going to be a powerful prophetic message that I'm going to release to you because I don't know about you. I'm just tired of staying stuck in the same old rut and, and doing things good but not seeing any change, not seeing any spontaneity from the Holy Spirit. Come on, say amen. Some of us, we're not doing anything necessarily wrong. We're just not doing anything new. We're just not, we're just, we're just kind of going through the motions and we're, we're kind of checking off the checklist of our Christian life and we leave little, little room for Holy Ghost moments in our life. Can I hear an amen? And, and so I want you to turn with me to Judges chapter 3. Get your Bible out. Let's have a good old-fashioned preaching time. Are you ready to have fun with me? All right. Judges chapter 3, verse 12. Here it goes. And the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord... Strengthen Eglon, or Eglon, king of Moab, against Israel. Now, this is a key phrase, okay? So, the, uh, I want you to follow me. The Lord, not the devil. The Lord strengthened a wicked king because of Israel's disobedience. The Lord strengthened Eglon, king of Moab, against Israel because... Don't tell me that I'm not preaching. Uh, I'm just preaching Old Testament. This is, this is, this is Bible stuff. Because why? They had done evil in the sight of the Lord. Look at verse 13. We're going to go to verse 23, and then we're going to jump to verse 30. Then he began, he gathered to himself the people of Ammon and Amalek, went and defeated Israel, and took possession of the city of Palms. All right? So the children of Israel served this wicked king Eglon, king of Moab, 18 years. Say 18 years. Imagine being in bondage under a wicked system, how about spiritually, in spiritual bondage and addiction for 18 straight years. Now watch. But when the Lord, when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for, for, for them. Ehud, the son of Gerah, the Benjamite, oh, come on, I'm going to preach now, a left-handed man. A left-handed man. See, I, I'm lefty, so I could preach with fire on this one. How many right I'm going to prove a point to you prophetically today. How many right-handers do we have? Watch, watch, watch. Look around, look, 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 look around, look around, look around, look around. Watch this. There's, I, I'm glad you did this because it's going to prove my point. Watch this. Now put your hands down. How many left-handers in here? Okay. So clearly, clearly by the majority, the right-handers are, are the majority most of the time. The right-handed people are kind of the way, it's the norm. In other words, it's the normal thing. It's the normal expectancy of, of things to be right-handed, to be behind-handed. It's, it's more rare to be left-handed. Come on. So he was a Benjamite. Say Benjamite. And he was a left-handed man. It's very significant that the, why would the Holy Spirit say that he is left-handed? I'm going to tell you prophetically because some of you are going to get free this morning. And he, and he was a Benjamite, a left-handed man. By him, Ehud, the children of Israel, sent tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Now, you're going to laugh at this, but there's a prophetic. Everything that I'm about to say has a prophetic allegory, okay? So follow with me. Now, Ehud made himself a dagger. It was a double-edged and cubit in length and fastened it under his clothes on his right thigh. Now, uh, keep going, keep going. 
Verse 17, so he brought the tribute out to Eglon, king of Moab. Now, Eglon was a very fat man. <laughs> now, I know you guys are laughing, but this is not what I'm harping on. The Holy Spirit has highlighted this because prophetically, the, the, when he says Eglon was a fat man, fat means in the flesh, spiritually meanings he had abundance of flesh that he was dealing with. That was his strength. The strength of his flesh was his power. And the Bible says, in me, that means in my flesh, in Romans, there dwelleth no good thing. So he was filled with flesh. I want you to see this because that's the enemy. The enemy will always fill you with the flesh first. Your flesh, if it's dominant, the enemy will use your flesh. The enemy was Moab and Eglon, and Eglon was the enemy, and Eglon had a lot of flesh. And that was the enemy that defeated Israel. You're not hearing me. It's going to be the flesh. Listen, it's easy to rebuke the devil because you command it. It's harder to crucify your flesh because you deal with it every day. So this is a prophetic allegory of the true enemy of our soul. And when he had finished presenting the tribute, he sent away the people who had carried the tribute. Oh, I feel like preaching this morning. That, but he himself turned back, this is Ehud, the left-hander, from the stone image. In other words, the allegory here, he sent the money, and, and he kind of went, okay, bye. But he stayed behind, and he, he had something that he was going to do to defeat the flesh, the man, the enemy of Israel. But he himself turned back from the stone images that were at Gilgal and said, I have a secret message for you, or I have a secret word for you, O king. He said it in the bushes, and, he, and the king said, keep silence. And all who were attending him went out from him. I know it's long, but I'm going to break this down. So Ehud came to him. Now he was sitting upstairs in his cool private chamber. Then Ehud said, I have a message from God for you, King Eglon. So Eglon rose from his seat. Then Ehud reached with his left hand, watch this, and took the dagger from his right thigh. That's interesting. I'm going to break that down. And thrust it into Eglon's belly. Right? Even the hilt went in after the blade, and the fat closed over the blade, for he did not draw the dagger out of his belly, and his entrails came out. That's a little, don't, don't even look at that. That's fine. <laughs> then Ehud went out after he did this to the enemy. With a double-edged dagger. Oh, my God. You're not hearing what I'm saying. How he dealt with the enemy was a double-edged instrument. So then Ehud went out through the porch and shut the door of the upper room behind him and locked him. Look at verse 30, and then I'm going to preach at you. So Moab then was subdued that day under the hand of Israel, and the hand of and the land rested, watch this, not 18 years, they were 18 years of bondage. Because of a deliverer that dealt with the enemy, they were at rest for 80 years. I want you to look at me because in the beginning, I want to lay a foundation here. The reason why we see Israel in the Bible constantly in bondage, constantly in darkness, is because we have to find a principle that is parallel to our lives as well. I don't care what movement you're in. I don't care what denomination you're in. I don't care what revelation you've got. We still have to realize that we can't forsake the fact that disobedience carries consequence to a nation and to a people. And so, but the Bible says that the reason why Israel kept getting in perpetual darkness and captivity is because they kept doing evil in the sight of the Lord. 
That's what the Bible says in the beginning. And so they continue, Israel, to find themselves in a place of bondage and a place of perpetual weakness and a place of rejecting and things like that because they rejected the word of the Lord. I want to pause and say this. In as much as there's consequences for your disobedience to the word of God, even if you do it by mistake, there's consequences. Amen. There's also positive consequences for obedience to the word of God. Obedience to the word of God, again, I'm laying a foundation, releases the favor of God over your life and the blessings of God. I'm going to say that again. The obedience, intentional obedience to the word of God releases the favor of God. You just can't say, Lord, I want the favor of God and living like the devil all week. You just can't say, Lord, I claim the favor of God and not be obedient to God's word. You know, we're saying, God, bless me, bless me, bless me. Favor, favor, favor. And God says, obedience, obedience, obedience. You know, the Bible says to Isaiah, if you're willing and obedient, you will eat the fruit of the land. A lot of people are, oh, I'm going to preach early. That wasn't even in my notes. A lot of people are willing, but they're not obedient. He, he didn't say if you're obedient, you will, hear, you will eat the fruit of the land. He said if you're willing and obedient. So sometimes we're obedient, but we're not willing. And God says, do it over because I see your heart and it's disobedient in my eyes. The whole time you're doing an obedient act, you're, you're complaining and cursing. And, and inside of you, you say, I can't believe I, I, God made me do this. I can't believe I have to take out the trash in the outreach. Did they know who I am? And you do it. But the whole time you're murmuring in your heart. That's not obedience. L- listen, so there's, there's consequences for disobedience. Do you, do you understand in the New Testament, New Testament, New Testament, New Testament, New Testament, not Old Testament, in the New Testament in Hebrews, the Bible says, who the Lord loves, he chastens and corrects. <gasps> the Lord, in, the, in this modern day uh, 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 preaching where we don't want to be offensive, we, we shun away like the Lord, that's not his nature. He will not correct. Who, what Bible are you talking or reading about? The Lord, the Bible says, loves those he corrects. Now, he's not on a vendetta. He's not on this guilt trip saying, who can I correct today? I just want to correct somebody. No, he corrects those he loves. As a matter of fact, in Hebrews, you know what the Bible says? Are you ready to shout? This is just my intro, by the way. (laughs) The Bible says that if you are a son without correction or without chastening or a daughter, you are illegitimate. You know why the Bible says? The Bible says correction hurts. Correction hurts. He says, but afterwards, it will yield the peaceable fruit, watch this, of righteousness, to those who are trained by it. So don't, don't be discouraged when you're chastened by the Lord. It's because he loves you that he's bringing slight correction to you so that you could be able to walk with the Lord. You say, how do you know that? The Bible says uh, in Psalms, David, King David says, before I was afflicted, I went astray. Before I was afflicted. But now I keep your word. The Bible says that in Psalm 119. So you have to understand in intro here that the reason why even America has experienced continual bondage in some areas is because we continually to do evil in the sight of the Lord by accepting things that we shouldn't be accepting, by tolerating things we shouldn't be tolerating, and by, by universally being disobedient to the Word of God. All in the name of acceptance and tolerance and whatever you want to call it, relevance, whatever, whatever it is. Can I just be honest with you? The church is also to blame of Jesus Christ. We can't expect the world to be obedient. We need to expect the church to be obedient. 
And so the church, so so what the intro here is the the backdrop of the reason why Israel was continually having these consequences is because they were disobedient to the things of God. Don't tell me that God is going to bless you financially, and if you're if you're afraid or grudging or angry to give your tithe to the Lord. I remember one time year, years ago, someone told me, "Well, Pastor George, that my atheist friend, he's an atheist, and he's a, and he lives next door, and he is blessed, and he and I and I go to church and I serve God, and I'm not blessed financially. And what is God doing? I go, well, I don't know what that atheist is doing, but I guarantee you, he's using biblical principles without him even knowing it." Do you know that the Lord is the one who founded biblical principles, not the world? So the word delegation, the word stewardship, it all comes from the Bible, right? And so here is why I'm saying this, because Israel was then consequence to this king, Eglon. This is where I'm going to preach at here. And the Israelites were bound for 18 years because the Israelites chose to be decisive, sorry, uh, un- disobedient. But, everybody say but. Every single time, you see in the Old Testament and New Testament, every single time there was a pain or a a disobedience, it caused the children of Israel to cry out. You know what? Let me just pause and say this. There's power in your pain. You know why? Because sometimes pain, pain for some of you, what brought you to church and set you free maybe a couple years ago. Pain is an instrument that, God, that the Lord uses to get you to cry out to God. Because the Bible says when they were in torment, when they were under that severe bondage for 18 years, they cried out. What a genius God we serve. They, he allows the consequence for disobedience so his people could cry out. And he's waiting the whole time. The Bible says they cry out. And whenever there is in Israel, even now, some bondage, God always raises up and raised up a deliverer for that generation. He raised up Moses when there was in Egypt, when there was years of bondage. But the Bible says 400 years of bondage. The Bible says that the people of Israel, watch this, cried out. So you got to understand, some of you are, are, are in, the, in the brink of a miracle because you've been bound for so long that you have no choice but to look up and cry out because you're tired of feeling that way. And you cry out, and the Bible says, okay, I'm going to raise up Moses. And Moses came up as a deliverer for all of Egypt. How about Esther, who was going to save an entire nation of Jews of annihilation, worse than Hitler? The plans of Haman and in the book of Esther was going to literally annihilate every Jewish person. And Esther was raised up for such a time as that, as a deliverer. I'm getting somewhere with this. And she saved an entire nation by approaching the king. How about Samson? Samson, again, was raised up in the book of Judges to defeat the Philistines. And he defeated a, a thousand Philistines with a jawbone of a donkey. Now that's gangster right there. That, that, not with a sword, not with a shield, with a jawbone defeated a thousand Philistines. What's my point? When, God, when the earth was in trouble, God raised up deliverers. He did that with Jesus. And guess what? He did it with Ehud. And what I'm saying to you in 2018 is that you are the spiritual Ehud that God is about to raise up in this hour. It's not about some superhero Christian that's out there waiting for, you, for them to save America. It's you in this room that God wants to, to set free and bring deliverance to this nation. Come on, say amen. Say amen. We are the ones that God is going to use. Now watch this. The Bible doesn't give us a lot of information about Ehud. Now I want you to look at me because this is where I'm going to preach to you. All right. 
It doesn't give us a lot, just really those verses that I read it gives you. But there's something prophetic about this story that I want you to know. Can I hear an amen? The Bible says that Ehud was a, a Benjamite. Now, before I get that, the name Ehud in the, in the, oh man, this is so good. The name Ehud in the Hebrew means one who praises and one who gives thanks. Oh, let me, let me go. I feel like going out on here and just kind of walking over here. The Bible says Ehud in the, in the Hebrew means one who, is anybody alive at RCC this morning? One who gives thanks and one who praises. You know the type of deliverers that God is raising up in this hour, the spiritual Ehuds, are the ones that learn how to praise God and thank God in the midst of all hell breaking loose, in the midst of all darkness and confusion and turbulent seasons. The Bible is clear that he's raising up people that are thankful. You know what the next deliverer is? It's going to look simple. The one that is thankful and learns how to praise God during turbulent times. The Bible says that Ehud's name means one who praises and one who gives thanks. He was raised up in a very dark time when they were in bondage. When's the last time you praised God when you had nothing in your bank account? When's the last time you, you put on that CD or you put on that iPod music and, and you were feeling like you were nobody, but yet you chose, not because you felt like it, because you knew that your praise and your thanksgiving is going to make your heart come alive and make you exit that situation. Listen. I don't shout and praise because after I got delivered from something, yeah, praise God. I'm doing that in the midst of it because I know my shout, my dance, my praise is going to make my heart come alive and it's going to silence the enemy. The Bible says that praise silences the enemy. So the type of deliverance, watch this. The spiritual ehuds that God is raising up, the youth, the young adults, the adults, the children, are ones who learn how to be thankful in every season. The Bible in Thessalonians says, give thanks in all things for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. You want to know the will of God? Stop searching for it. Just be thankful. I'm going to preach real good here. No, no. I'm going to preach. See, see, you don't need a spirit of discernment to know when to be thankful. Like, when should I be thankful? Well, I'm thankful now because I have good clothes, but I wasn't thankful two months ago. I'm thankful now that God opened a job, a door for me. Thank you, Jesus. But how about when all doors are closing? Can you still thank the Lord? Enter, you can't even enter his gates without thanksgiving. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. That's the process. Enter his courts with praise. So before you start praising, it starts being thankful. But if you thank God and praise God at the same time, you, need, you know what thanking God does spiritually is a, is a prophetic act. When you thank God, sometimes it's not there in the moment, but you're thanking God that it's going to come, that the answer is already here. That's how you have to act. The Bible says we call things that are not as though they are. So Ehud means one who praises and one who gives thanks, and God raised them up in darkness. I'm wondering how many people can, can shut off the noise of negativity, every temptation that tries to make you complain and tries to make you all messed up and choose to praise God and be thankful that you're saved, that you have a job, that you're, that you're, you're alive, that you're in a house, that you, come on, you're not saying amen. You know what thankfulness does? It rips apart and discombobulates every attempt in you to complain. Actually, the medicine for complaining is thankfulness. The opposite of murmuring is thankfulness, and the opposite of thankfulness is murmuring and complaining. I got three amens. It's okay. With that, the culture 
that God is bringing up are those who are praisers. The deliverers that God is raising up are those who praise God and thank God. Say amen. Say amen. Are you ready to shout with me for a second? Are you ready for this? The Bible says, Harvest knows, the Bible says in that verse that Ehud was a Benjamite. Say Benjamite. Now, why do I say a Benjamite? Why is that significant? He was a Benjamite. Do you know what Benjamite means in the Hebrew? Come on, somebody knows. The Bible in Hebrew says that Benjamite means son of my right hand. He comes from a tribe of people that are used to doing it all the time on the right-hand side, the right-hand way, the right-hand method, because it's the majority, and it's the right way, and it's a good way, and it's a correct way. God raises up a left-hander in a tribe of all right-handers. What does that symbolically mean? He's the son of the, Benjamite means son of my right hand, yet he's a left-hander. Prophetically, here it is. Is that God right now in 2018 prophetically is raising up a different breed, a new breed of deliverers, a new breed of forerunners, a new breed of deliverers and freedom fighters that don't look like everybody else and don't look like church people, but they're going to be the ones who bring deliverance into a nation. They're going to be people that are rejected by church, but God is lifting up, raising up the left-handers. They're the people that, uh, that, that, that don't look right, they don't act right, but God is going to get a hold of them because not many are wise are called. Not many, not many that are profound are called, but God chooses the weak things of the world to confound the wise. The left-handed is prophetically speaking of the fact that God is raising up a new type of breed. Watch this. Because they're thankful in all things. And it doesn't make sense because we're not predictable. One of the things that has caused us not to be uh, on fire or victorious against the enemy is that we've become, we've become too predictable. We become too predictable in the body of Christ, and we know that, we, that the enemy knows every time how you're going to act to trials, how you're going to act to things of this nature, how you're going to act, and we become right-handed all the time because that's the majority, spiritually speaking, that's the majority of way of doing things. That's the way we've always done things, and God is raising up left-handers spiritually that will not react the same way. And you know what the Bible says? That Paul was in prison and he said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He, he wrote that while he was in prison. Could you imagine that? That shocked the enemy. The reason why we're not effective in the, with the enemy, guys, is because we as a church have become way too predictable. You know what? Let me just say this. Watch this. The reason why right-handed boxers, I want you to see this, right-handed boxers are one of the best champions of boxing of all time. If you look it up, Muhammad Ali and all these great Tyson, all these boxers, they became great because they were right-handed boxers that were champions. But what made them great, are you going to shout with me, is that they learned the, the element of surprise by developing a left hook. They, they, they kept jabbing with the right and the right and the right. And the enemy was always predicting the right. And they mastered the left hook because the left hook surprised the enemy. It's okay. And we become too predictable in church. Church starts at 10. That's great. At 10 o'clock. And we have fast songs and we have slow songs. And we have the announcements. And we can't go past 1215. God forbid the Holy Spirit moves because you'll be looking at your watch. And we can't do We're doing the right things the right time all the time. But all that is good and all that is dandy. But every now and then throw the enemy a left hook. Come on. 
Every now and then, throw the enemy a left hook in your services, in your jobs. In your jobs, every now and then, instead of just doing the same old thing, show up a little early. Throw a left hook and start going early and lay hands on all those cubicles and believe in God for miracles in your, in, in your job. Every now and then, just throw a left hook in your school and stand up in the cafeteria and say, I love God. Who wants to come with me? Every now and then in your family, God forbid, get people in this weird and start worshiping together in your family. Do something you, that totally shocks and surprises the enemy. And your kids are like, we never do that, Dad, but we're going to do it now. Every now and then, shock the enemy. See, how, how many know boxing? I'm not a boxer, but you know. <laughs> so, you, right, 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 right. And when the enemy is getting the right, right, you stun them with the left. That's the Holy Spirit is raising up spiritual ehuds that will stun the enemy because you're not predictable anymore. How do you stun the enemy? You stun him by not complaining when everything inside of you, when other people are gossiping about you. And, oh, and, and, they're, and, they're, and, they're, and the enemy's like, oh, this is the pattern. This is the right-handed pattern. They always do this when they talk about him. So let's do that. And all of a sudden, people start talking about you, and you make some adjustments, and you throw a left hook, and you stay silent. You discombobulate the enemy. Or you stun, you, you stun the enemy... By giving when you don't have and believing God that God's going to provide. You stun the enemy by releasing the new vessel for the new wine that God is bringing to you. The people that God is going to raise are spiritual ehuds that don't look like the normal spiritual, spiritually speaking, right-handed people because the element of surprise has been lost in the body of Christ. We become so predictable that even the enemy knows the patterns of what we yield to. And so when we yield to the same thing over and over and over again, don't think it's a coincidence that three months down the road, you're tempted with the same thing. Why? Because the enemy already knows your buttons. And how does he know your buttons? Because you gave him access to that. It says it's not because he, he has some supernatural power over you. It's because of the fact that he, you have given him the, the right to predict you by what you yield to over and over and over. Shock the devil one time and start praising God when all the times you used to complain. Watch this. This, this, is, this is really spiritual. Be kind to people instead of yelling at them when you don't get your way. <laughs> you know, now that I see Rady, I wasn't planning on saying this. I love what you posted, Rady. What, what do people say always about you? I love that post. What, if, if someone had to say, that person always does this, that speaks a lot of the right-hand way that you're always doing the right-handed way, the right things, the things that you're accustomed to. Do people, when they look at you, say, oh, she's always complaining, or he's always mad, or he's always frustrated. She's always not paying attention. He's always that, or, or are they saying, he's always kind. She's always praying for me. She always gives a good word. What is, the, what is the reputation of it? Because here's the thing. We've lost the element of surprise in the church, in our families, in our business. And every now and then, glory to God, you need to throw that left hook. Bam. You need to throw the left hook because Benjamin is a right-handed man. 
Ehud was a right-handed man in a left, sorry, he was a left-handed man in a right-handed system. Do you realize that the Holy Spirit wants you and I to bring changes in our life that are real and that are sudden? And you know what? It's going to shock the enemy because you've never done it before. How about this? How about throwing a left hook in your business idea and you're too afraid to step out in faith and do something radical for God? And all your life you've been playing it easy and it's pretty predictable when you just play it easy. And that's good. You're going to play, play easy, but you're never going to soar. But when you soar and you come out those cliffs and those rocks and you spread your wings, guess what's going to happen? You're going to hit yourself on those rocks every now and then. You're going to get bruised every now and then, but you will soar and you will fly. But if you play it safe and don't take that risk, you won't have any bruises or minimal bruises, but you'll be predictable and you won't make an impact. I'm not saying to be unpredictable is to be crazy. It's to allow Holy Spirit movements in your life. Allow, allow this. Be ready in season and out of season. You, you have to get to that point, church, that we are, I'm not even lost my notes. I don't even know where I'm at in my notes. Glory to God. God loves surprises. He does. He loves using people that with a surprise element because of the fact that the enemy is trying to be defeated through your surprise. So there's nothing wrong in doing the right things the right way. Turn to someone and say, every now and then, i got to get a left hook. So watch this. Watch this. Here's what, you, here's what we do. When all of a sudden the enemy throws everything at you, watch this. The enemy throws everything at you. Everything at you, and he's expecting you to respond the way that you've responded for the last five years. And, and, and now you have people that are, are not wanting to be with you anymore because of the, the ways that you react to things. And all of a sudden, the way that you respond is totally different. Not only will it bring healing, but it will actually discombobulate the devil in your life. How about humility? <laughs> That's a good one. How about responding in humility instead of anger? When you're known to respond for anger. I need the worship team up here just for a little bit, just for a little bit here. I'm going to have some, I have some scriptures here. But I'm going to prophesy to you, it's time to let the spiritual left-handers arise. In the midst, in the midst of a right-handed flow, prophetically, the majority, the stream, the predictable way, the predictable way that you yield to temptation. The predictable way. You know what? Sometimes it doesn't even take the devil to predict you. Sometimes you're so predictable that people can predict you. You're like, okay, I bet, I bet you if you throw that guy at her, uh, uh, that girl, she'll stop serving the Lord. And sure enough, because of that pattern, they know you already. The enemy does, sometimes the enemy doesn't even have to do anything. The enemy is like, I'm just going to chill and take a vacation because they're going to repeat the same pattern. God is raising up left-handers to break the pattern of the, of, the, of, the, of the yielding things that you're yielding to the flesh, which gets me to my next point. There, there, are, there are things that God is going to do 
that is going to require you to step out in faith. And you know what I love about Jesus? Jesus was always two or three steps ahead of the enemy. You know why? Because the enemy did not know that Jesus had a left hook. Oh, come on. I'm going to preach to you. Because the right-handed way, the predictable way, is the crucifixion. That was prophesied. That was supposed to happen. The crucifixion was the right hand. When he got up, that was the left hook. You know why? Because the Bible in Corinthians says if the rulers of this world would have known about the crucifixion, they would have never crucified the king of glory. Look at that. Look at 1 Corinthians. Look at what that, the, the verse says. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7 through 8. The Bible says, But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages of the, of the glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. Look, for had they known, see, Jesus broke the norm and they were banking on this. Had they known, they would have never watched this. Had they known that Jesus' whole plan was to die and resurrect to redeem humanity, the devil would never have allowed the rulers to crucify Jesus because he was he broke the traditional predictable norm. He was throwing right jabs at the devil, right jabs, right jabs, right jabs, right jabs, right jabs, right jabs, and the crucifixion came and the devil was like, yep, I got him because I'm used to the right jab that's been prophesied. And the third day when he got up, Jesus went, boom. He threw the left hook He threw the unpredictable pattern that broke the enemy's back. Some of you are on a brink of change. I I feel this from the Lord. You know how do you? You know what? Why this is important? Because God is after breaking bad patterns in your life. You insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Some of you, the pattern. I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm not harping on anybody. Some of you, what needs to break is something as simple as just start going to church more. You're so predictable that you never come to church or you never, you never do the things of God unless you're, you're, you're crying or, or, or sad. Start doing something different when it comes to the obedience of God, and you will see radical results in your life. Come on, Pastor John. I'm getting excited. How many left-handers we got up in here? Spiritually. Right? How many spiritual left-handers? Come on. Can I just be honest with you? Even the Bible says, how long were you going to circle this mountain? Right, right hand, right hand, you're predictable, right hand, you're predictable, you're going to complain, you're going to play. Uh, please, I'm not trying to be insensitive. How many times are you and I going to weep over the same thing? How you doing? I see this all the time in the church. How you doing? Don't get mad at me. How you doing, sister? You know, family. And, so, and at first, I'm going to be very transparent. At first, I'm like, hey, you know, God, this is what the Lord says, and this is what the Bible says, and this is what the Lord says, and this is what the Bible says, and I'm going to lay hands on you. Good, and they're happy. Next week, how you doing? Well, you know, I'm not being insensitive. Just watch. Watch how the enemy plays with our patterns. Well, you know, the same thing, you know, I got breakthrough, and then, you know, you know, my, my, and then my son, you know, he's doing this. And, okay, well, remember what the Lord says. Remember what the Bible says. Remember you got victory. Amen. And they leave three weeks later. How you doing? Well, Pastor George, I really got to have a meeting with you. It's time to break the pattern of sorrow. It's time for the left-handers to rise. It's time for the spiritual ehoods to arise and start giving the enemy a left hook. Sometimes you get, you know what boxers do to win fights? Not only do they give the left hook, they do it while they're bleeding. Oh, that's good right there. 
They do it while they're injured. Don't wait when you're strong to throw the left hook. Do it while you're depressed. Do it while you're sick. Do it. You say, you know what? Today I'm going to stop complaining and I'm going to take authority. I'm going to throw that left hook in the midst of a Benjamite generation and I'm going to claim my healing and I'm going to be happy and I'm going to choose to be happy. Not just circle around this thing and, and having pastors break things that I have power to break over myself. Pastor, I need a meeting with you. Why? Because I need you to rebuke something. You could rebuke it. Je- no, the whole, you're insensitive, Pastor George. No, Jesus then is insensitive because he says, I've given you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Now, whatever, Jesus never said what I bind in heaven. That's, that'd be easy. Oh, thank you, Jesus. That means you do everything great. No. He goes, no, it's on you now. I've given you the keys. Now start using it. Throw a left hook, baby. Come on. See, you guys have been doing this. And that's good. But the enemy has gotten used to this. What you need to do is... And, you're like, and the devil's like, where did that come from? Spiritual ehuds are coming out. Left-handers spiritually are coming out in the way of the norm. Come on. Come on, say amen. The crucifixion was the, was the right hand. The resurrection was the left hand. Glory to God. I said, glory to God. You know that true spirit-led people are not predictable? You know what we say at churches? I want the Holy Spirit to move. And we generally want the Holy Spirit to move. But we want to do it in a predictable way. Do you know the Bible says that, and I'm speaking to myself, Pastor John and, 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 and Christina knows. I'm a structured person. But I also want the flow of the Holy Spirit. So there's always that. But I'd rather have messy, unorganized, sorry, in the spirit of excellence that the Holy Spirit disrupts than a very cookie-cutter planned out service where nobody's getting changed. Look at John chapter 3. Look at John chapter 3. How many spirit-led people are here? All right. No, no, no. How many? Okay, let me rephrase this question. How many want to be spirit-led? Then that means you become unpredictable to the enemy by breaking patterns that are so accustomed to be predictable of your next step. The enemy, I'm telling you, he's waiting at the next at the parking lot when you leave church today. Waiting in the parking lot saying, Yeah, that's good, but let's go back to the pattern. I know you're right-handed. Stop pretending. Stop pretending you're coming out. And you're gonna someone's gonna cut you off on I-4, you're gonna go back to that same old thing. No, start doing something different. Start reacting different. Watch this. That which is born of flesh is flesh. Eglon was a fleshly man. Watch, I'm saving the best for last. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Are you ready, spirit-filled folks? Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. Look at verse 8. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it's coming from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. <laughs> Come on, Kevin. I'm sa- you're not saying amen to me this today, baby. <laughs> How many want to be Spirit-led? That means you are willing to break the patterns of predictability of your choices that lead to darkness and bondage. We've made the fight easy for the devil because we know he knows what we're going to yield to. The Bible in Romans says those of you who yield to, to whatever you yield to, you become slaves 
to what you yield to, but you also become slaves of righteousness. Now watch, I'm almost closing here. The reason in Ehud's time that the enemy was not threatened by the Israelites, are you ready for this? If you do your study, at that time there was no blacksmiths in the land or they had stopped being blacksmiths in the land. So Ehud had to go and be his own blacksmith. And listen, why are blacksmiths important? When, when there's no blacksmiths in the, New, in the Old Testament, there was no threat to the enemy. But blacksmiths are those who don't mind being in hot, dry, wilderness places so that weapons could be formed in those kind of environments. Everyone wants to prophesy. Everyone wants to pastor. Everyone wants to go around the world, but no one wants to burn in the heat of trial and affliction. You want to become a weapon? Be, you, you're the weapon. And guess what the weapon is formed? The, form, the weapon is formed in the fiery furnace of affliction. The weapon is formed in the trials. And out comes that axe. Out comes that sword. Out comes that trumpet. Whatever it is that the enemy, that the Lord wants to use, is going to be formed in the fire. We've raised up a generation that wants to preach around the world without wanting to go through the fire. I'm going to say something powerful. God will never trust anybody that doesn't walk through the fire or doesn't walk through with a limp spiritually. That's why Jacob had to wrestle. God had to wrestle with Jacob. He had a limp. Why? Because he was, he was wrestling with God until God formed him and changed his name from deceiver to Israel. I feel like I'm preaching good today. Everyone wants to do something for the Lord. But no one wants to go be a spiritual blacksmith. Now watch. Two points and then I'm closing. The Bible said that this left-hander had a dagger, but he put it on his right thigh. Why would a left-hander put a dagger on his right thigh? I'm left-handed. I know. I can speak. I, I want it on my left side so it could be easier to grab. I'm going to tell you a, a principle. Young people, listen to me. Older people, listen to me. I believe prophetically the reason why he put it on his right thigh is because he, honor, he knew the secret of honor and submission because his fathers did it that way and he honored what happened. Let me tell you something. If you want to be successful in the kingdom of God, all in the name of being surprising, all in the name of, of throwing a left hook, make sure you don't throw out submission to authority and submission to God. To God, And, and make sure just because you, you're radical that that doesn't give you an excuse to not submit to spiritual authority. You want to go far? Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of the Lord, and he shall exalt you in due time. When, you, when we understand pure submission to the things of God, God will bless you. Listen, God will never tell you to do something rebellious against spiritual authority all in the name of because God spoke to you. If that spiritual authority is not asking you to do something evil or wrong, and you don't submit because you think you're more spiritual than that person or that boss, what I mean by authority is don't just... Don't just break the rules in your in your job just because you want to be radical the blessing is in the left and the right hand right now watch this this is where I'm, this is where I'm gonna I'm gonna close you know how the Bible says that he defeated Eglon you know how Ehud defeated him are you ready are you ready for this the Bible says <laughs> he says I have a message for you he came to to Eglon, the one who is covered in, in the flesh, he goes, I have a message from God 
for you. In other words, I have a word for you, enemy. And the Bible says he took out a double-edged dagger and he stuck it into the belly of this man filled with flesh. What is that prophetic of? I remember somewhere in my Bible, in Hebrews chapter 4, where there was another instrument that was double-edged, and that was the Word of God. The Bible in Hebrews chapter 4, put it up there, says the Word of God is powerful, is living, and sharper, come on, than any two-edged sword. The Word of God piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. What is that saying? The people that God is raising up, the spiritual ehuds that are going to be raised up are those that use the Word of God to deal with the flesh in their life. Are you ready for this? You know, you want to, you know how to get free? Become people of the double-edged sword that are infused with the Word of God because it's only the Word of God that's going to cut the fleshly patterns and tendency in your life. Because let me tell you something. The flesh is real. I don't care where, what camp you come from. The flesh is real. Yes, we have victory over the flesh. But if you don't use the dagger, if you don't use the Word, if you don't use a double-edged sword, you're not going to defeat the flesh off of your experience. You're going to defeat them only through thus saith the Lord. How many want to be people of the Word of God? Right now, there's going to be victory. I want you to stand up. There's going to be victory in your life for those of you who contend, watch this, to be people of the Word. The Bible says, hide your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. We're going to worship right now, but I'm here, I'm here to tell you, I want everyone to look at me. The Holy Spirit is telling me that there's many of you who've been predictable and you've yielded to the same thing over and over and over again. And the Lord is shouting a trumpet today at RCC. He's saying, do something different. Let the left-handers arise. Let the left hook arise. You've been giving him the jab of the right hand. But now, now react differently with the way that you've always reacted and be more tender, be more kind, and be determined. Watch this, that you're going to stop crying over the same thing and that you're going to break that pattern and you're going to shock the enemy with your left hook. Come on, with your praise. How many want to be praised in here and thankful? This is it. Come on, lift up your hands right now. Come on. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.